Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. Welcome to week 17 of Is It Worth It, the film review podcast where we go out of our way to see almost all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. He's David Long. And he's Craig Fields. So, Craig, what have we got coming up on week 17? Well, this week we'll be reviewing Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Equalizer 2, The Meg, starring Jason Stephen, (laughs) Unfriended Dark Web, The Darkest Minds, and finally we'll be taking a look at Teen Titans Go to the movies. movies. Indeed. Um, however, I'd like to kick off the show by saying happy birthday, David, for tomorrow. Oh, thank you very much. That's all right. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Um, there's, there's a few things that I'd like to, uh, just give you. Oh, are we doing this live, are we? We are. Um, for the, for the entire duration of the show, I'd like you to wear, uh, just get it. Um, <laughs> what on earth is going? One of those. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just given David a little party hat that says happy birthday on it. How does that go on above my... Yeah, exactly. Just like that. We'll post a picture on the social media. That looks absolutely ridiculous. Uh, just going to take a picture. There you go. One picture taken. Thank you, Craig. That will go on social media. I appreciate media. that. Thank you very much. Um, and then there's also um, something else as well. Let me just dig it out from here. Oh, here, here it is. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Happy yeah. birthday. Well, th- um, thanks very much. I then, appreciate uh, that. And then there's also um, something else as well. Oh. Yep, there it is. That's for you. Thank you. That's a card. Uh, I, pre- I I realise that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, the listeners don't. Yeah, oh yes, a card. Thank um, you. And then there's also that as well. Oh, Mr. Fields. Well, thank you very much. He's He has purchased me Love, Simon on DVD. Um, I actually didn't know you got me that, so I really appreciate that, mate. It is a fantastic film. The one film of, <laughs> of the entire podcast that I, I was expecting to hate and I loved it. I said last week that it was out on DVD. It was in our new feature, DVD, DVD, with a really ca- <laughs> catchy jingle that I actually hadn't heard until the show came out. Craig did a great job with that. Um, so, yeah, I won't open the card now, but thank you very much for that. I appreciate yeah, that, Craig. That's right. that's, it's a fantastic film. I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to watch that tonight. I am. Oh, good. Instead of going out. It, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I just invited Craig out for a drink because at midnight I will be uh, 20 <laughs> years of age. Um, but before we get into the show, I would like to thank all our listeners because week 16, we had by far our biggest numbers of, uh, downloads. Mm. Uh, it was really, really good. Um, and we've had a lot of emails this week, a lot of interaction on social media. Um, so I'd just like to thank everyone for, for downloading and please continue to do that. Like, share, tell all your friends, tell all your family, uh, and, oh no, don't do it again. <laughs> um, and you will be, uh, Receiving free tickets, if if you email us. We've been giving away quite a lot of free tickets recently, and we know people have appreciated those. So, yeah. Craig, what are we doing now? I mean, I've been presented with a, a hat, you're, yeah, a, a you're prefer, a, a, a DVD. Wonderful. Well, we're going to start off by reading an email. Um, received an email from Dylan, uh, and oh. he says, Hi, Craig and David. My name is Dylan, and I am seven years old. Oh. I wanted to tell you about my trip to the cinema to see Incredibles 2. I went last week with my childminder, Charlie, and my little sister. Uh, We sat at the very front and it was a gigantic screen. I was really, really excited. Some bits of the movie were very scary, like the bit at the end 
uh, where I can't read it because it's a big spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> did he write that or did he? Uh, That's no. what you inserted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and some parts made me laugh. My favourite funny bit was Jack-Jack uh, fighting the raccoon and also when Mr Incredible put Jack-Jack to bed and he kept getting up and running uh, and turning on the TV. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, my favourite character was probably the Iceman Frozone because his power is really cool. Mm. The film was very exciting and also very scary and I want to see it again. So, Dylan, thank you very much for your email. Um, you'll be receiving two cinema tickets to any Cineworld in the UK and you can go and either see Incredibles 2 again or yep. you can go and see something else as well. There's lots of things out in cinema that you can probably see as well. Yeah, that's. Uh, I love that email. Seven years old, he's taken the time to send it to us. So thank you very much, mate. And uh, I hope you enjoy whatever you go and see. Yeah. Um, so we are going to go over to the box office rundown. However, this week it is uh, <laughs> a little bit problematic. Yeah. So th- how do we put this? Basically, there has been a problem. A not malfunction. Our, our, not our end, but the official UK box office for this weekend. Normally it's one to ten. They've only actually released one to five. It's been some sort of computer malfunction. Um, so you will only get numbers one to five, which means it will be slightly quicker, which is probably good as the introduction has been slightly longer because I was presented with a wide variety of hats and gifts. <laughs> so let's head on over to the box of its rundown. This is the box office rundown brought to you by is it worth it the film review podcast yes that's right that's the box office rundown theme tune for the box office for august the 10th to the 12th 2018 david what have we got on the box office rundown this week? Well, firstly, before we get into the box office, things that happened between the 10th and the 12th, I would just like to say congratulations to my cousin John. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Who got married on, at the weekend. Um, lovely wedding up in Norfolk. Gorgeous weather. Fantastic day. So congratulations to the new Mr. and Mrs. Spicker. Uh, I know John listens to the show. We had him on the phone, if you remember, yep. a number of weeks back. So cheers, mate. Hope you're enjoying the honeymoon. He's currently out in Greece at the moment, I believe. But, Back to business. Uh, I'm slightly taken aback, you know, with the card and the hat. And, the, and, the, <laughs> and you're still wearing it. I'm good. still wearing the hat and it, it looks I, absolutely ridiculous. Should I join in as well? Well, you could do, but let's get down to business. Um, like we said, oh God, he's actually put one on. It looks absolutely ridiculous. Like we said, um, we've only got one to five this week, but in at number five, we have Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, it's been out for three weeks now um, and it's taken 17.8 million. And this is a fantastic film. Um, Tom Cruise, we couldn't believe how old he was, but he shows no signs of slowing down. This is a brilliant action film. Yeah. I really, really recommend seeing it. We really it. did love it. And above that, and number four, Craig, we have? Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, that's been in the box office for two weeks, and it's grossed 10.5 million, and we'll be reviewing that on today's show. Mm. And at number three, we have The Incredibles 2. Uh, that took another 2.4 million at the weekend. It's now grossed 45 million pounds. It's been out for five weeks, and if you haven't seen it, make sure you go and see it, and make sure the kids see it before they go back to school in September. 
Oh, we, oh, me. Oh, in at number two, <laughs> <laughs> we have Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Uh, that's been in the box office for four weeks. Uh, it's grossed £49.3 million pounds mm. and took £3.6 million. Um, we, we enjoyed this film, didn't we? We really did like it. Yeah, it was It was exactly yeah. what... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was exactly what, you know, you would expect. My biggest fear was that it was going to be terrible. Mm. Uh, I thought... It really could be terrible. It did 10 years since the first one and it wasn't terrible. Therefore, it's a success. Um, number one, we have a big surprise. <laughs> See what I did there? See what I did? Yeah, I like that. What is it, Craig? It's it's the Meg. It is. The Meg comes swimming in at number one. Um, took 3.7 million at the weekend, um, which is pretty good. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people have gone to see this film. And they've been very clever, Craig, haven't they, with the rating of this film? So it's officially rated a 12A. Yeah. And you were explaining to me what they, what you believe they did is they put quite a lot of graphic scenes in the original cut, which they possibly had no intention of using, then had them removed to get this 12A certificate. Yeah, I mean, a lot of films do that just to get that uh, lower certificate so it can be reviewed by as many audiences mm. and ages as possible. Um, they'll put in a little bit more graphic content just because they know the uh, the BBFC or all the, all the other rating boards throughout the mm. world will then take it out um, and leaving in the content that the director actually wants to have in Yeah, in it's a film. clever move. And I've got to say, um, we, we are reviewing this on this week's show and it's a clever move to make it a 12A. It's the summer holidays and it makes it, in theory, anyone can watch it. Anyone can watch it under mm. 12 if they're accompanied by an adult. Um, we'll get on to whether we think it's suitable <laughs> for, for kids in the main review. But um, no, I wasn't looking forward to it. It's just the trailer. You know, we, we were having a laugh earlier where yeah, it's just yeah. Jason Statham going, my God, it's Megalodon somewhere beyond, beyond the sea. And it's just like, oh no, are we really doing this? But mm. it's proving popular. It's taken 3.7 million and it is at number one. Yeah. So that is our box office rundown for this week. It's it's obviously very short, um, but hopefully back to normal next week when computers mm. are no longer malfunctioning. Yeah. Uh, so we'll head on over to our first review, which is going to be Ant-Man and the Wasp. So I'm not doing my normal rundown. But is there any need? Oh. Five to... Go on then. Five to one. <laughs> it is my birthday. Go on then. <laughs> at number five, Mission Impossible Fallout 4, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Three, Incredibles 2, 2, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, and at number one, it's Megalodon, my God, the Meg. Cheers, mate. (laughs) So, this is the review for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, so this is picking up nearly two years after the events of Civil War, Captain America Civil War. Um, Scott Lang, played by Paul Rudd, is under house arrest for breaking the so- Sokovia Accords. Um, he's estranged from Hank Pym, uh, who's the original Ant-Man, and his daughter Hope. That is until three days before Scott's house arrest is up. Hank and Hope show up because they think Scott is the key to find Hope's mother. So she's been stuck in the quantum realm since 1987 when a mission went wrong. Um, and, and that's the basic premise for this film. Um, we've got Peyton Reed. He's returning to direct this film. And, and to me, this film is pretty much on par tonally with the first. Um, that is to say, it's, it's very, very funny. Mm. Um, Paul Rudd brings 
all the comic relief as he normally does to any film that we go to see. Um, I, I especially loved the special effects in this film. Like, I loved the the way that things grow in size, so the salt shaker mm. um, and and the pez, and it's all very comical as well. This is a very light Marvel film. Mm. Um, and I know what you're going to say as well. Um, so I'll let you lead into the next bit because I think that works very well as to what you thought about the film. Yeah, so I'm going to kick straight off by saying I, I really enjoyed this. Mm. Um, and I, I enjoyed it because it was a much lighter and brighter superhero movie. Um, and it is really carried by the charisma of Paul Rudd. So it had more the feel of like a big blockbuster comedy than it did a Marvel superhero film. And I've been looking at various other reviews in magazines and online, and some people criticise this and say it doesn't live up to the, you know, the the um, the power of Infinity War and the, the, the you know, the, the fantastic Black Panther, etc. But I think they're missing the point. Yeah. This film was perfectly placed, in my opinion, because, you know, Black Panther, Infinity War came with a lot of sort of political metaphors and some real heavy moral sentiment. And they were quite hard watches in the sense that they weren't lighthearted entertainment. There were serious themes here. Yeah. And I know Marvel uh, Marvel fans left Infinity War in pieces, broken and destroyed, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. like many of the characters. Um, <laughs> so, oh, spoiler. I, well, oh dear. If you haven't uh, seen it, uh, yeah. maybe retract that. Yeah, bit. but the, no, don't... Let's not focus on that. It probably went straight over their heads. Um, You know, this was much more fluffy. It was enjoyable. It was popcorn and just good fun, you know. Um, And it works because how do you follow Infinity War? Well, we know that the the next uh, uh, Marvel uh, Avengers film is is due out in May uh, 2019. Yeah. So what do you do? You put this in you put this in between. It's just light-hearted and fun and it fits in very cleverly as well. I won't say too much about that, but it really is slotted in nicely. Um well if you if you do want to mention that, it does go backwards mm. in the sense that these are the events almost running parallel to Infinity War. Yes, they do, yeah. Um and and actually we won't spoil the ending at all no. for you, but it fits in very nicely in it that does, sense. Yeah. In that sense, um, you know, and, and, and there's been 19 Marvel superhero films so far, and I just thought this was just perfectly placed. Just a nice bit of traditional good guy, bad guy, summer entertainment to give fans a little bit of a break. Mm. Um, because yes, I want to see more Avengers, but. I, I also love this. I love Paul Rudd. He's uh, a fantastic comedy actor. He just does everything with such ease. Yeah, the comic timing from him comic is Comic timing. Is superb. Um, and it's the way he handles a script. So he makes it so real and natural and uh, reading articles about him. He's very easy to work with on set. And if anything goes wrong, he manages to incorporate that into scenes. So it never feels wooden and structured. Um, and like you said, I thought the special effects were very good. And it just felt old school, if that makes sense. It felt more like the superhero films I remember as a kid. Yeah. Um, Taking from that point and just sort of moving things on a little bit, it does feel like this is setting up something as well within the MCU, within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, They spend a lot of time explaining things Mm. about the quantum realm. (laughs) I mean, with every other word is quantum. Um, You know, Paul Rudd even pokes a joke at it Mm. within the film. Uh, that, 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 you know, 
so many things are quantum. Um, but, it, <laughs> but it does feel like the quantum realm mm. is going to be something very important going forward into the next Infinity War or even Captain Marvel, which is going to be out in, I think, April, possibly, yeah. of early 2019. Yeah, early 2019. So it all does feel like it's setting things up as, for that. Um, and yes, this is a lighter Marvel film. The villains of Black Panther, the villains of Infinity War were hardcore villains. Mm. Um, our villain in this film is Ghost. Um, and, and she seems to have multiple reasons as to why she is a villain. But to be honest, she's not really a villain. I mean, like her character isn't really explored deep enough for her to be a serious villain. Mm. Um, you know, she's got beef with the quantum realm. <laughs> Again, the quantum realm. Um her, and that that's that provides her motives to do the things that she does within the film. It's not simply to kill people, or yeah. it's not serious villain motives. It's a much more personal film, this, isn't it? Yes. It's a much more personal story. So it's, in my opinion, it's nice to have a break from a superhero film where the whole, not even the whole world, remember Infinity War, it was the whole universe is in danger. Yes, this, it feels like more of a community sort of film. Yeah, and it's much more Local. personal, much more, it's more of a character study, which, which, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you that way. Um, and yeah, it's funny you should say about the quantum realm because that's in my notes as well. I've sort of, sort of I mean, the science was a little bit all over my head. Mm. You know, the various machines being worked on by large insects. Yeah. The quantum machine. <laughs> yeah, and and then you know things whizzing and whirring, and and then when they enter the quantum realm, I don't even know what it was, but it does give opportunity for that to really come into the to future films yeah. uh, and once you've seen the film that will become more clear but no I've, I've read like i said i've read a number of views where people sort of say this this lacks the scale and ambition of recent marvel films that's the point mm. that is the point if if you go oh that was disappointing it's it, it doesn't have the ambition or the power that infinity war had it's not supposed to yeah. this is supposed to be a light bit of summer welcome relief someone's got a text message oh, i think it was me apologies um <laughs> so we'll go straight to the question craig well i've got a little bit more that I oh you've got say. more yeah because what you're saying sort of leads me into thinking whether or not this film would have been a very different film if the first Ant-Man was directed by the original person who had written the film and was going to direct it, which was Edgar Wright. So if you don't know who Edgar Wright is, um, he is the director of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, pa Baby Driver, among other brilliant films as well. And uh, he left um, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, sorry, Ant-Man, due to creative differences with mm. Marvel. And um, they, they retained his script and it was obviously brilliant. Mm. Um, Peyton Reed comes in and does Ant-Man and the Wasp. He directed the first one as well. Um, but Edgar Wright takes risks when he makes films. Every single film that he has done has big creative changes within the film. It has different stylistic approaches, um, which made me wonder whether or not Ant-Man and the Wasp would have been a very different film, even if he'd just written the script for it. Mm. Um, so I, I, I wonder what other people's views on that would be. So if you have a view on, on that, let us know. You can email us. My mail is worth it at gmail.com. Um, mm. It'd be good to get your views on that as well. Um, we do have an email as well. 
before oh, of we... Of course, yeah. I'm, I apologise, I'm jumping the gun. Jumping now. the gun, indeed, <clears throat> before we do the actual whether it was worth it or not. Um, so this email comes from Pete. Uh, he says, Hi, David and Craig. Last week, I took my family to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. With the Marvel Universe becoming somewhat darker in more recent films, I was unsure whether this would be okay for the whole family, especially as they had not seen Infinity War. However, we went based on the way the first Ant-Man film was, different to the other Marvel films and seemed more light-hearted. I was pleased that we took the risk as it was a really good film and enjoyed by all. Paul Rudd was excellent as well as the rest of the cast. Um, I especially like the introduction of Dr. Bill Foster and Ava and hope their characters develop in future movies. The film is a really good sequel and I would say that you could watch it after seeing Ant-Man uh, yeah, I would say that you could watch it after seeing Ant-Man, but would help to have seen Captain America Civil War, but you don't have to see other Marvel films. Mm. I would say this film was well worth watching in the cinema as for the growing and shrinking special effects. The storyline is easy to follow, but not predictable, and the interaction between characters is excellent. I look forward to seeing the continued development of the characters in the next Marvel films. Blimey, that's a good email. Yeah, really good. Should email. get him on the show. Get rid of me. Get get Pete in. So Pete clearly thinks the film is worth going to see in the mm. cinema. Uh, David, Ant Man and the Wasp. Is it worth it? Yes, well, well worth it. It's just good fun. It's a nice summer film. Like Pete's email said, it's also suitable for the whole family. You know, it isn't dark and heavy and political and moral. It's just good fun. Go and see this film and see it on a big screen because like Pete said, like Craig said, the special effects are great. Pete, going to give you two free tickets uh, so you can go and see the next Marvel film um, or any film of your choice for that matter. Yep. Uh, I'm worried now. I'm worried that it's going to be, is it worth it with Craig Fields and Pete? <laughs> but no, I <laughs> Bye, <ask>. David. <laughs> brilliant email, brilliant email. If you've scrolled through your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or done anything remotely connected to the internet, you've probably seen an ad for a subscription service. Something like Dollar Shave Club, 5-4 Club, The Birch Box, and many, many more. You may be wondering, what is the big deal about subscription boxes? Well, Package Media is here to tell you all about them, but not just tell you about the box, but the person behind the package. Come join us and listen in as we interview the creators behind these businesses so that you can understand not only the product, but the passion behind their services. Come check us out at Packaged Media. We are subscribed. We are packaged. So uh, the next film that we're going to be taking a look at today is The Equalizer 2. So as you all know, um, we've been raving about this for a long time. If you are a Cineworld Unlimited card holder, um, you have the opportunity to go and see unlimited screenings. Uh, so these are films that have been put on early um, for you to go and see exclusively. Uh, and one such film is The Equalizer 2. Um, I wasn't unable to go and see this film, but David... Couldn't be bothered. No, I was unable <laughs> to go. Uh, so David went um, and he's doing this review solo. So David, um, let, let's see if this film was worth it, shall we? <laughs> and solo. Um, so yes, uh, this is The Equalizer 2, obviously following on from the original Equalizer. Um, I think it's important to note this is Denzel Washington's first ever sequel. Uh, and I'll touch upon a bit that a bit more about that later. But I think he's done a sequel because his character, uh, Robert McCall, has has real depth. Uh, and that's mostly because of um, 
one, the way he's written, but mostly because of what Denzel brings to the role. But uh, Robert McCall now lives in a diverse apartment complex in urban uh, Massachusetts, uh, working as a Lyft driver and helping the less fortunate Lyft. Basically an Uber driver, but for legal reasons, I imagine they couldn't... No, Lyft is an actual app. Oh, is it? Yeah, so Lyft is another alternative to Uber. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I didn't know that. So there you go. So he's working as a Lyft driver. Um, he's a former covert operations officer in an unnamed sort of US government intelligence organization, which is often referred to as simply the agency or the company. It's all quite mysterious. Um, but a traumatic event, um, which happens to his uh, his old friend, uh, Susan Plummer, played by Melissa Leo, uh, draws him back into the shadowy world of the Secret Services. She comes to visit him and explains a little bit about what she's working on and it sort of sucks um, Denzel back in. But that's sort of the main element of this film. Yeah. But the great thing about this film, and one of the great things, is there's lots of subplots, lots of things going on. Uh, and like I said, one of the one of the things is he's working as a lift driver. Uh, and we see a number of sequences with people getting in and out of his uh, uh, his car. And that's really, really effective. And we see Denzel sort of building relationships with various people and also the variety of people that use uh, these services. And one of the scenes where he equalises, where he takes matters into his own hands, is he picks up uh, a young woman who's clearly the worst for drink and most likely drugs, looks like she's been spiked and she's in a terrible state. He obviously picks her up, gets her home, and then thinks, well, I'm I'm not letting the, the people who did this to get away with it, so I think I'll go and pay them a little visit. Uh, and this is a clip of that exact scene. How you doing? I'm the uh, Lyft driver that you called to take home your girlfriend. Not a girlfriend, man. Oh, credit card was invalid. Come in. There you go. Mm. Pay yourself whatever and uh, give yourself a nice tip. Thank you. You're not gonna ask me if she got home okay? <laughs> this is the point where usually I'd uh, give you a chance to do the right thing, but not tonight. Tonight I'm gonna need your cameras, cell phones, Anything you might have used to record what you did to her. You knocked on the wrong door tonight, Pops. So there you have it, Denzel equalising, taking uh, vengeance on this group of guys who have obviously been uh, incredibly um, horrible to this poor young woman and 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 left her in a, a very poor condition. And Denzel goes back and does what Denzel does best. Equalise um, the situation. He does, he does. He levels the playing field and puts the bad guys in their place. Um, and I explained a little bit about the plot, which is basically him... Uh, his, what his character is, is a man that wants now a simple life. We see lots of scenes of Denzel reading. Um, he goes to a local bookstore where he's working through 100 books to read before you die. And he's always reading and he's he looks very calm and collected. And he's, he's trying to lead this new life. He wants out of the life he held before, but he keeps getting sucked back in because he can't see unjust things happen without dealing with them. So when his his long-term friend comes and 
visits him and tells him about the case he's working on, he's compelled to to get back involved. But I want to start by saying this film has a fantastic opening sequence. Um, I mean, one of the best opening sequences in a film I've seen in a long, long time. Okay. Um, it starts with this beautiful panoramic aerial shot of a train going through Turkey. And it's just really, really nice visually. Um, and then what we see is we see Denzel Washington, as we might not recognise him, and I won't say too much about that. Um, but immediately in this opening scene, Denzel brings it. I mean, he really does bring it. And he and he brings it in, in such a fantastic attention to detail. For example, Craig, he goes to the bar at the train and orders a boiling water. Just a, <laughs> a, right? a plain boiling water. And the way he does it and the, the way he sits down and the way he drinks it and he folds his napkin, you just think, this man means business. No one orders a plain boiling water. And when you see the scene, you'll see what I mean. It's really, really tense because uh, Denzel's there doing what Denzel does best, which is um, equalising. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic opening scene. Uh, and overall, what do I think of this film? It's solid. And I'll say, I'll say it, it's... It's almost impossible, or it would be impossible, to say this is a bad film. It simply isn't a bad film. I think the Rotten Tomato numbers, you love my Rotten Tomato numbers, where I love them anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, 49% of critics like this and 72% of audience members like it. And I think that is pretty much almost as I would expect it, because you can't say this is a bad film simply because Denzel Washington's in it. Uh, his character has so many layers. It's a really interesting character and Denzel is 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 phenomenal and not only that there is some really good uh, dialogue in this film there's some parts of it the script is okay but there are some parts of this film where the script is really really good and there's also some fantastic scenes in this one of my favorite scenes is where Denzel is looking at one of the cases or the case that he's working on and he he He's obviously thinking in his head what's happening in the crime scene, but he actually is in the crime scene. So we see sort of Denzel put into the crime scene and then the crime unfolding around him, which is obviously right, okay. showing how it would be in his head. And it's just really, really clever. But why has it only got 49% of critic approval? I think it's simply because it still remains a bit of a confused film in the sense that it has quite a powerful drama element uh, elephant <laughs> uh, drama element but then at the same time it's got some quite graphic violence so you've got Denzel who's the moral character who wants to who wants to put things right but he puts them right in an extremely violent way mm. and whilst that might work cinematically i'm not sure if that pieces into the overall idea of the story yeah when you've got someone who's you know how are you going to show the bad guy who's boss well i'm gonna cut his head off it's like well he doesn't actually cut anyone's head off but you see what i'm saying it's like is is that the right way of of dealing with it slightly morally confused i think um and yeah sort of a bizarre twist of really quite sort of um gritty uh sort of crime drama and then very graphic violence um there's also some very good humor in this film uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting you to be, say that. B believe it or not. So uh, Ashton Sanders plays Miles, uh, who's a, a black uh, teenager who lives in um, McCall's block. And he 
he has this interaction with Denzel and Denzel becomes a bit of a father figure to him. Um, you know, shows him the way and tries to get him out of, uh, you know, gun related, uh, violence or drugs and things like that. Yeah. And there's some great interaction between these two and there's some really good comedy as well. So Denzel is, is actually a very good, uh, comedic actor and that breaks it up a little bit. And overall the film is, is very, very solid, you know, but it's, it's not, it's not a complete piece. It just doesn't quite hit the nail on the head for me it is a real three and a half three star out of five film don't get me wrong Denzel is five out of five Denzel is phenomenal but the overall film just doesn't quite work it feels a little bit confused in terms of genre and and therefore the flow just isn't quite right it was left in such a way that it could be the end but also there is room for a third one and I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't object to a third one because like I said uh, McCall, who who Denzel plays, is such an interesting character. But as an overall film, I don't think it quite hits the nail on the head. It's no Mission Impossible then. Like in, in comparison, can you compare it in the sense of its uh, set pieces and the drama element from Mission Impossible? They gel quite well. Mm. It, the Equalizer doesn't live up to that. It's confused in the sense it wants to be one thing but can't do the other and then can do the other but then can't do the other bit. Another yeah, time. it's just so, so so it's confused where it has these really serious scenes and then it has the comedy that works. But then Denzel comes out with a few cheesy one-liners as well. Mm. You know, I think one of them is something like, you know, I'm going to kill each one of you. And my only regret is the, that I only get to do it once. And it's 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 things like that. And you think that doesn't quite fit in. It doesn't it's, it's not it doesn't work within yeah, this film. So individual right. pieces. I mean, the opening scene, it's. it's I can't speak. The opening <laughs> scene is fantastic and there are some brilliant um, parts in this film. Like I said, some of the script is superb and Denzel is brilliant. But as an overall film, I just think it doesn't quite work. And I think that's why the audience sort of 70% like it. And I think critics are straight it's down quite, the middle. quite split. Um, okay, so David, The Equalizer 2, is it worth it? Well, I hope that was clear, that review. Um, I didn't have Craig's assistance. But I'm going to say this. When it comes out in cinemas, yes, I th- I believe this is worth seeing. Um, and for two reasons. Firstly, the opening scene. <laughs> I just think the opening scene is is epic. And also Denzel Washington. This is the only sequel he's ever done. And I think that's because he loves this character. And the reason he loves this character is because he's a really interesting character. And he plays this character so, so well. Denzel, five out of five. The overall film, three out of five. But if you're going to see it, see it in the big screen. Thank you very much, David. No worries. (laughs) My name's Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. And we are both Cineworld Unlimited card holders. From just £17.90 a month, you can see any film, any time, as many times as you like. You can also get 10% off snacks and drinks, exclusive preview screenings of upcoming releases, and unlimited customers can now enjoy 25% off food and drink at Café Rouge, Bella Italia, Las Iguanas, La Tasca and Belgo. And if you would like £10 off your first month's unlimited membership, just use the code, is it worth it? Welcome back. Uh, it's now time for our third review of the show, and we will be reviewing The Meg, starring Jason Statham. Craig, what's this film about other than a very large shark? <laughs> well, 
so let's begin. So uh, two mu- 200 miles off the coast of China, deep sea researchers are beginning a descent into the ocean to explore what appears to be the ocean floor. But, but it's been hypothesized that there's a hydrogen cloud covering another world entirely at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, simply put, it's not the bottom of the ocean. Um, <laughs> what lies beneath is anyone's guess. Mm. Uh, but when a sub runs into some big trouble and is unable to resurface, they call upon the only man capable of doing this rescue. Yes, it's the one, the only, Jason Statham. Mm. Uh, we learn very quickly that there is a shark that lives beneath this hydrogen cloud and it is almighty. It is a prehistoric creature, a real prehistoric uh, creature, I shall put, named the Megalodon. Uh, And he is no joke. Um, It's a big shark. It's a big, big shark. Mm. Imagine Um, jaws on steroids. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go straight out there and say I I enjoyed this film. Um, Mm. What did you think, David? Yeah, I mean, we, we had a bit of a laugh and a joke earlier in the show about Jason Statham and the trailer. I mean, the trailer looked woeful. Yeah. It looked like a shocking movie and I said it might be so bad that it's actually good and it and it wasn't actually it wasn't one of those awful awful films so awful that it was good it was it was actually pretty pretty okay I mean I wouldn't go much further than that I wouldn't say this was a great film mm. but it was far far better than I was expecting and and simply because Actually, the, the the plot works. Um, the way the shark is introduced with this sort of uh, you know um, hypotheses about a, a, a layer beneath what they believe is the bottom of the ocean is quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's plausible. You know, there's lots of scientific explanations behind it, and 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 I find that quite interesting. And then there's some likable characters. Uh, there's actually some quite good humour, mm. and the whole thing doesn't take itself too seriously i mean it's still pretty ridiculous um but it's it's not as bad as i thought and i went to watch this with my brother uh, and we both enjoyed this you know my brother said to me david this was a real nachos and pepsi movie he said i could eat my nachos uh drink my pepsi and just enjoy it you know it was just light-hearted um entertainment but it's typical hollywood you know, a shark isn't enough. A shark isn't scary enough anymore. So we've got to make the shark ridiculously big. But Megalodon uh, was a prehistoric shark uh, and it did exist. And it was huge. I mean, it was two, three times the size of a killer whale. Um, and there's a good scene, actually, where they show you how big it is in con- comparison. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty enjoyable, actually. I'm, I'm ashamed to say so. <laughs> after, after seeing this film, I did actually rewatch Jaws. Just to compare in some ooh, some manner. Oh, don't don't say it. Don't oh, don't compare this to Jaws. No, but I, I liked what they did here with the Meg in the fact that they did this film in reverse. Yeah. So Jaws was you know the attacks happened first, mm. whereas the Megalodon is discovered, and then the attacks happen on the beach afterwards, mm. and then they have to go and kill it. It's a reverse. It's a very reversed version of Jaws in a sense, and on steroids. Um, <laughs> But uh, my main point that I want to make is that it's it's interesting as it's one of those films that's been funded partly by Hollywood, mm. made in Hollywood, but has also been funded by by China. And 
we've seen a lot of these films more recently with Skyscraper, which is also funded by China. Um, and a while back as well with The Great Wall, which was starring Matt Damon. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't, all. no. So this this was Matt Damon versus these weird Chinese monsters. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't do very well at the box office. Mm. Um, but I did enjoy that film. Um, and it's the same with Skyscraper. I enjoyed that as well. And it's the same for The Meg. I mm. enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed this. Um, but the problem with these films isn't that they're bad. It's generally that they're trying to make themselves accessible for the huge audience that they're trying to mm. sell them to. So it's not just Hollywood and the American and British audiences and other audiences. It's the Chinese market as well mm. that they're trying to sell it to because it's funded by China. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes they do this by by taking the soul of the film out and replacing it with this just super slick motion picture. They add mm. so much CGI into it that it just takes away so much. Um, mm. Skyscraper... Well, it's, it's the it's the middle ground. It did all right with the soul stuff. It did pretty well with the CGI stuff. Uh, the Great Wall did pretty poorly with the CGI stuff and the soul stuff as well. It just didn't have any of that, mm. which is why it probably did so badly. But then the Meg comes along and and it has got some soul and it has got some decent CGI in it and it is mm. believable to some extent. Um, so that that was quite good. Um, but the these so these joint ventures what i'm just saying is that they are getting better mm. um and 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 the fact that they have these relationships as well between Stephen's character um uh, uh, jo, jo, uh jonas taylor uh, and su yin who's played by lee bing min um and they develop over the course of the film and we have a number of other relationships over the film that develop as well and lots of family relationships and this builds these this pathos with the other characters Mm. which you don't generally get with these kind of films. It was slowly happening with Skyscraper that we yeah. you know, we said we had that that relationship building, and now we have it on a larger scale, mm. and it works. It's working. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you're spot on. I didn't expect that from this film. I didn't expect that sort of emotional connection between Jason Statham and... Um, sh- I'm not going <laughs> to... Su Yin. Su Yin, um, and, it, and that is a really good relationship and Su Yin's daughters in the film as well and her father. So you've got three generations of the same family and there's a good relationship built there and there's yeah. some good comedy. Um, and you mentioned Jaws uh, and one of the reasons Jaws was so effective and Steven Spielberg's film will always be considered a masterpiece is the way he builds tension. Yeah. We don't always. see the shark. We have those famous um, clips of of you know the shark eye view with just people's legs on the open water and it builds tension and we don't see the shark and there's not a shark attack in Jaws for quite a long time. I was worried that this film was going to start with like a really brutal, gory, like megalodon ripping up people and and it didn't. It gave us background. It gave us a plot. And actually we don't see any sort of blood or gore or action for 20, 25 minutes and that works. That's good because it Mm. actually builds... It, it gives us something more than just a massive shark because if it is just a massive shark eating people, it's like, okay, well, and? Yeah, and that goes back to the rating that this film has been given, the 12A, mm. which we said at the beginning of the um, of the show. It, it's appealing to that wider audience. Yeah, It's given that rating so that the blood and gore isn't so bad that mm. it can be seen by a lot of different people in a lot of different territories. Um, um, we... We obviously have families that listen to this. Um, where do you think the cutoff point is for this film? You know, so it's a 12A. So in theory, a six, seven-year-old could go and see this accompanied by an adult. I 
I'm not so sure that adults should be taking children younger than 12 to go and see this film. I agree. So should it be a 12A? Probably not. Mm. Um, If it could just be a certificate 12, fine. Um, But there were kids in the viewing that I went to go and see that were definitely younger. They weren't affected by it because they weren't crying. They weren't Mm. leaving. Um, but I, I'm, I'm still not so sure if as a parent, would I have taken my child to go and see this? That was younger than 12 and probably not. I mean, I'll say for, for, I'm not a parent by the way, for Um, for families who are listening. Yeah. I think Craig's spot on. I think 12 is really the cut off, cut off point. I mean, 10 or 11 year olds possibly, but I mean, there is some, still some pretty gruesome stuff in this film, Mm. you know, and when I was 11 or or, or, or 10, you know, seeing a, a giant shark kill people, I mean, it's pretty, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a 20-year-old man and it, it was still on, on you know, edgier seat stuff. So, yeah, I think, look, 12 really should be the cutoff point. I think mm. they've, they've been smart, though. They've made it a 12A because they know, they know that 11-year-old boys all across the country will be pestering their parents to go and see, to go and see it. And that's yeah. a smart move to make money. But... I would caution people with this with this rating because it's I agree it's touch and go in it yeah so in in essence this is this is a good summer blockbuster mm. and and it has plenty of jumps it has plenty of laughs in it um you saw this in 2D mm. I saw this in in IMAX 3D how was that um I was pleasantly surprised so going back to last week's show when we talked about Mission Impossible in IMAX 3D um that was really really good it 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 didn't overkill the 3d because it was just very it enhanced the story essentially this did that enhanced the, the story but it added a few 3d elements into it like so when you're under the water and the bubbles mm. that wasn't overkill it was actually immersive yeah um, and i quite liked that and it looked good as well it wasn't a terrible 3d conversion of some sort it you know yes you still have that if you tilt your head a slightly it goes a bit blurry, but that's the technology. Mm. Um, the actual conversion wasn't bad at all. It it worked. Um, so for me, it's. I'm going to just answer the question now myself. It, it's worth going to the cinema to go and see, and it is worth going to see it in IMAX 3D as well, um, because it really does immerse you in the mm. film and it enhances the jumps, the scares, quite a lot. Um, I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and for me, look, do not go expecting miracles. This is not a you know, an incredible piece of filmmaking with superb acting and a and a and a and a and a, and a plot that's going to last with you for many hours after seeing mm. it. But it is watchable, and it and it isn't terrible. It actually isn't terrible, and I quite enjoyed it. I really did actually quite enjoy it. And I was expecting to hate it. <laughs> so for me as well, I actually think the Meg is worth it. Oh my god. Megalodon. News. That's right, it's time for the news. Uh, so kicking us off with our first news article is me. Uh, and we're going to be taking a look at um, The Dark Knight. It's returning to 70mm IMAX just for one week. Superb. Um, you liked the, the, the Dark Knight, didn't you? The Dark Knight is a fantastic film and Heath Ledger's performance in it is... Incredible. Mm. Well, it's 10 years old this year. Um, so they're bringing it wow. back. Uh, yeah, I know. 10 years. <laughs> it's 
amazing, isn't it? Um, so they're bringing that back into uh, the IMAX at London's BIFI um, just for the one week. So that starts on Friday the 24th of August. So if I was you, I'd get onto the BFI website and book those quickly mm, if you I'm, want to go and I see that. I imagine those will go very fast. Yeah, um, but I'm sure it'll be a spectacular presentation, uh, especially in 70mm mm. IMAX. It's not 3D. That It's just a 70mm I'm IMAX wing. You fancy that? <laughs> I, I just fancy I tried that. to whisper that to Craig yeah. without being heard, but yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that looks it looks pretty good, and I'll be up for going to see that as well. Mm. Yeah. So some other news last week we uh, brought the news of this massive merger uh, between Fox and Disney, um, and in the latest news report about the state of affairs with this merger, um, it has become apparent, or that Fox has revealed that they seem to be developing a Family Guy movie that will contain live action elements. Um, Seth MacFarlane, if, if anyone can pull it off, it, it will be him. Mm. Um, I've, I've always said I think Family Guy needs a movie um, and we might finally get it. Also, The Simpsons Movie 2 uh, seems to be uh, in production as well or talks about it happening. Uh, but the article seems to suggest that, that these plans could put into jeopardy the Fox and Disney merger. I'm not sure that is probably true, but I certainly find the news news of a Family Guy movie very, very exciting. Yeah, that does sound good. Uh, my last article that I found is about Idris Elba. Um, he's, oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's reportedly still in the running for James mm. Bond. So uh, for many years there's been these whispers of, of Idris being James Bond. Um, those r- rumours were somewhat stamped out when Daniel Craig um, agreed to be in the next uh, Bond film, which is Bond 25, uh, which is directed by Danny Boyle, um, which I think would be an absolutely fantastic film. But Mm. the the rumour mills are still going for the film after that, that Idris Elba will be uh, the Bond for that film. Um, And he is teasing people as well. With cryptic tweets. Cryptic tweets. Mm. um, It's something about uh, martinis, was it, I think? Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to get people um, involved. With, um, He's probably just play, people. playing people. I, 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 I don't know. I, either way, I'm not really too bothered. I'd like to see him as Bond. So if he's mm. if he's um, baiting people... I, I, I would like to see Tom Hardy as James Bond. I think a lot of people would. I think... I mean, it's Tom Hardy's a, lot of, a, a phen- lot of the ladies would Yeah, well, phenomenal that. actor and such a brilliant range that he has an option. He can go traditional Bond, sort of posh and stylish, or he could bring a much sort of rougher working class James Bond. <laughs> not martini, shake, you know, shake and not stir, just pint of lager and a packet of crisps. <laughs> Bond, James Bond, you know. That kind of... That could work. Um, so, yeah, watch out for the next James yeah, Bond. I was just going to say as well, I, I don't know if he would be able to do it anyway because he's got, you know, he's, um, Yardy is coming out fairly soon. Mm-hmm. He's the director for that. Um, and he's also got um, a big production of Hunchback, of the Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, going on at the minute as well where he is acting, directing, producing, and writing the music, <laughs> and writing the theme tune. Uh, Write the theme tune. Yeah. Sing the theme tune. Um, so he might be a bit busy for Bond. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. My, I still think it's the sort of thing I'd like to see Tom Hardy do it. Put a little back here, Chris. Um, final piece <laughs> of news. Um, the Nun released a teaser trailer that was so scary... Um, it was yanked from YouTube, and I've I've just watched it, and it's very very clever. Actually, it's about seven seconds, and it starts with um, a, a little sound bar coming up and going up and down, and you're sort of thinking what's going on here, and you're drawn into the screen, and then boom, 
Yeah, you think the computer is malfunctioning. And this nun pops up, and I'm just reading the article here, and there are some tweets from some um, very angry people uh, who have tweeted stuff like, well, tweeted to YouTube, put in unexpected commercial for the nun on this YouTube video is not okay. I just screened my head off, WTF. Shame on YouTube for having that ad at the heart of the nun pop up. Um, I just had a heart attack. Um, and then someone else, I'm literally shaking and tearing up right now. I just wanted to play music. <laughs> Why did YouTube give me a the nun jump scare as an ad at 5am? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a selection of tweets to YouTube. It's a very scary um, seven second clip. And my word, Craig, we saw the official trailer for the nun the other day. Yeah. And I've got to say, it looks good. Well, it looks scary. Mm. Whether that constitutes it being good is another question. Yeah, so it's, it seems to be produced by the same people that are involved in The Conjuring, some sort of prequel to The Conjuring. I'm not 100% sure about that, but it's The Conjuring was in the trailer, mm. so it's got something to do with it. Before but, The Conjuring. But it, 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 I jumped. It looked good. Yeah. I, I Doesn't mean it'll be a good film. No. It, you know, it might just be a good trailer. But I'm not um, great with horrors, so... Um... Yeah, you can go and see that one. Yes, no, I'm I'm genuinely uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, in other news, and in other news, a French theme park is training crows to pick up litter. And that was the news brought to you by Is It Worth It, the film review podcast. So, following on from the news, we have now got our next review, which is Unfriended Dark Web. Now, uh, we hadn't actually seen the previous film to this. We were told that actually you don't really need to go and see the original film. Um, but it does follow trend in the sense that this is uh, made in a very similar way in the sense that it's all through the computer screen uh, and you see the characters uh, interact with each other via Skype, Skype. and various other messaging services, a a.k.a. Uh, Facebook um, and iMessages and uh, various other methods. Um, this is a horror film. Um, this is a completely different genre, I'd say, than uh, The Searching, which mm. is more of a drama, but unfolds in a similar way as, as it's shot in, in a very similar way. Drama, thriller. Yeah. Whereas this is much more horror. Yeah. Um, so we have a group of friends, uh, group of friends, <laughs> group of friends who uh, join each other on game night. Uh, one of our characters has discovered uh, a new laptop, or he's stolen a new laptop, um, only to discover that the person who it belonged to before is actually um, able to watch them. Mm. Um, and the fo- the film unfolds in a, a slow manner, um, where the 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 hacker, I suppose. Um, reveals certain things about himself Mm. um, and it all becomes quite horrifying, really. Mm. Um, I went in with really low expectations for this film um, and I found myself enjoying it. Um, I came out thinking that it was actually much better than I expected. I I had watched the trailer for the first one uh, and the first one looked pretty terrible, um, whereas the trailer for this one looked somewhat better. Um, but still pretty low expectations. Um, what did you think of the film, Dave? Yeah, so like you said, we we basically have, I think it's five or six characters who are communicating over Skype um, game night, and one of the characters has this new computer, and he tells his friends that he's bought it, whereas actually he's uh, stolen it, really, because it's been sitting in a lost, lost and found in a, in a coffee shop for a number of weeks. And 
slowly but surely he starts to unravel what's on this computer and it's some pretty dark stuff to say the least and then like you said it, it you know it becomes evident that they're being watched and the whole thing um spirals more and more and more and more out of control it's it's very watchable um it's it's scary in the sense that it really hit home to me actually we were talking in the car on the way yeah. back just about how much of our personal information even our private information is online you know online banking facebook emails everything now can be hacked and so that is scary and also Craig is a bit of a computer whiz. Uh, and I said to him, you know, Craig, is this kind of stuff possible? He said, well, I couldn't do it, which is slightly relieving to hear. But um, <laughs> he said, yeah, it is. So it is scary in the sense that it, this could happen. Where this film falls down is on a number of levels. Firstly, it goes too far. So it doesn't need to go as far as it does. So the the horror element works, but then things just get too silly. Yeah, too out of hand. Too over the top. So that believability is lost, which is a shame because that's one of the most effective things about this kind of film. Um, And secondly, I think there's too many characters in it. So we don't actually get a real emotional connection to any of the characters. Mm. So when bad things start to happen, are we actually that upset that these characters are injured or lost or vanish or you know i'm not going to say you know any spoilers and therefore i think searching is a better film because it's shot in a very similar way but it's done in a much more sort of beautiful way in the sense that we we get an emotional attachment to the lead characters uh, and we see a lot about their history and the story unfolds in a more believable way this is more you know, jumpy horror, and it and it just goes too far. It takes something that is realistic and then goes too far with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're searching as well. You begin the film um, set in the past, so where it's it's happening, it unfolds in real time, but you do get some backstory to it. Yeah. Whereas um, Unfriended, you get no real backstory. It all unfolds in real time. Whereas mm. that could be an asset to it. It's not executed that well. Um, a bit another part where it falls down for me is that um, a lot of the software that's used on the computer is real, but isn't so real. If you know what I mean, like certain elements of it. So if you're a real computer geek like me, you will spot these things. Mm. Uh, things like um, the opening scene with the, the Mac boots up. And is trying to enter the password. Now, you would never, ever see the password being written out. It would always be blocked off in either stars or dots or whatever. Mm. Um, but it's revealed to us when he's typing it. Yeah. And straight away, it's, and I'm like, well, that isn't how it would work. Yeah. And for you, that probably went completely unnoticed because you're mm. not a heavy Mac user. No, but the but the point is, is it's trying to be a real film. Mm. And for for computer users, for the sort of people capable of this kind of hacking, they're going to go, well, that's not realistic. Mm. So it it loses that realism that it it needs. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Whereas Searching had the believability because everything that was used on screen from Windows XP right up until to the Mac to to FaceTime on the iPhone, um, FaceTime on on the iMac was all real. Nothing was CGI'd in to, you know, to to make things look different. And I really like that. And and 
yeah, some people it's going to go over the top of their heads, that sort of element. But for me, it had it has to be realistic in that way mm. because I am a heavy user of these items and I know what these things look like and how they work and how I'd interact with them. To suspend my belief, you have to show it in a realistic manner. And it has to be the way that the users, who is you and me going to see this film, is going to see it. Um, otherwise, it's just not going to work. Um, Searching did a much better job mm. in that sense. Um it did a much better job in the drama element, in the building, the emotional connection. We did have an emotional connection with Unfriended. They did a better job this time because in the previous film, they had far too many characters going into it and mm. not enough of the motion, emotional connection uh, and building that backstory. This film, you do get uh, the lead ca- character um, has an emotional connection with his girlfriend and mm. you do they do use that to an extent, but still didn't quite work for me. Yeah, I mean, searching, there was a particular moment in searching where I, my jaw nearly hit the floor. I was like, oh my goodness, mm. wow, that is an amazing twist. I didn't get anything like that with this. And and it progressively got worse in the sense that it became very predictable yes. and very formulaic. So it tried to be different, and it was different for the first hour, and then the last 40 minutes or whatever um I don't know how long the film was, but the last sort of 30, 40% just became really predictable. So mm. it was almost like, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and it did. And that's a shame. Um, I mean, this isn't a terrible film, um, but it's not as good as Searching. But, are you finished? Yeah, I'm finished. Because so, you're sat there. I mean, I don't want to cut you off again. Craig, I'll ask you the question. Unfriended, Dark Web, is it worth it? Yeah, I, I still think this is worth going to see in the cinema. It's uh, a completely different genre, but executed or visually shot in, in the same way as Searching. Whether it's better or not um, remains to be seen. Uh, from my opinion, though, it is better. Uh, well, Searching is better, um, but Unfriended is still very watchable. And I think um, in the cinema is the best place to go and see this. However, you could be watching this at home on your laptop. Mm. full screen it will look like that it's all happening on your laptop yeah you know that might be a better place to actually Mm. watch that um but yeah it's worth going to see in the cinema and for me yeah i I agree with craig i think searching is a better film um but this is also worth seeing i I recommend seeing both and actually comparing them yourselves because i i think you'll i think you'll enjoy that i mean i Mm. certainly have um, but if you had to choose between the two of them, I think Searching's better. Searching's more of a drama and a thriller. But if you're looking for that horror element, this mm. is certainly closer to a horror than Searching. So it does offer something a bit different. And I do think it's worth seeing in the cinema. But like Craig said, if you could watch this at home on your laptop when it comes out on streaming services, it would be equally as effective. Yeah, I yeah. Completely agree with you there. I mean, we saw Searching first. Mm. Um, however, you guys are probably going to end up seeing Unfriended first uh, and then Searching. Searching isn't out until the 31st of August in the UK. Um, we got to see uh, an unlimited preview for for the Searching. So um, I, I was wondering, we did say to each other, mm. would we have liked the Searching more if we had seen it second or would we have liked it less? Um, I, my opinion remains the same, yeah, to be honest with you. I totally agree. Um but it'd be interesting to get your opinions of what you thought of the films, depending on which way you see it. So if you've seen Unfriended first, let us know what you thought of Searching. Um, and if you did see it as an unlimited screening, um, that's, that's the Searching um, first, let us know what you thought of Unfriended. It would be very interesting to see what your takes on, see which one you saw first, how your opinion is formulated in that way. 
Yes, and you can contact us at, I hope I get this right, mymailisworthit at gmail.com. Yep, that's it. Or you can tweet us at filmisworthit. I nearly got that wrong. Um, <laughs> or you can hit us up on Instagram, Facebook. as uh, a plethora of different ways of interacting with us these days. Uh, so we're going to head on over to our next review, uh, which is going to be... The Darkest Mind. You got that right. Yeah, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Following a major refurbishment at Jarman Square, which now offers a large selection of quality restaurants and activities, Cineworld Hemel Hempstead invites you to enjoy and experience their new facilities. IMAX, 3D, Super Screen, and a conveniently placed Starbucks. If you want to see any of the latest releases, including The Incredibles 2, Mission Impossible Fallout, or Ant-Man and the Wasp, then head to Cineworld Hemel Hempstead in partnership with Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. So welcome back. We're now taking a look at The Darkest Minds. Now, we haven't written any notes for this film at all. We're just going to do this one off the cuff. Um, So The Darkest Minds, what is it about? Well, we have um, many children across the world are are dying. Mm. Uh, Those that aren't dying uh, develop these mysterious new abilities, um, uh, most of which are are deemed a threat by the government and detained. Our... um, Lead character is 16 years old and her name is Ruby and she is considered to be one of the most powerful young people um, that have been encountered. Um, They are all detained in these camps. Uh, They're graded orange all the way up to red. Um, Red being the the worst. Most dangerous. Most dangerous. They're like fire-breathing weirdos. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't discriminate against the reds. Orange, they have this ability to control people. Control minds. Then we have blues. I can't quite remember. Telekinesis. Telekinesis. The greens who are highly intelligent. Um, So, yeah, if if this doesn't sound very clear, it's because the film isn't. As Craig says, we are literally thrown into a film where children across the world are dying. Why? We don't know. We don't know. Um, the ones who survive get powers. Why? We don't know. Um, and then the government start collecting them and putting them in camps. Why? We don't know. <laughs> and that is the honest truth. Because I said to Craig, so, so what's the long-term plan for the government here? All the children are either dead or in camps. Nobody is procreating. Nobody is procreating. Are they going to ever release these children? Well, it doesn't seem like they are. So as bad as this sounds, then what's the point of having them in camps? Mm. You know, because some of the more lethal children are killed. Um, So what do we think of this film? Well, firstly, the reason we haven't made notes about this film is because it was, in my opinion, most incredibly disappointing. Um, I have never encountered a film in the cinema... Where so much happens, yep. but absolutely nothing happens. And this is what I said to you as well, didn't I? Yeah, so yeah. W- we saw it separately and we said exactly the same thing when we compared notes afterwards. And you're probably thinking, David, what do you mean? How can so much happen but nothing happens? What I mean is in the sense that the film goes from A to B and we see everything in between. But the movement from A to B isn't actually that far. So to give you an idea, it's almost like making a film called The Titanic. And having, you know, an amazing scene where the ship sails off and we get to know the characters and it's all really good fun. And then the film stops before the before the Titanic hits the iceberg and you go, OK, well, yeah, I mean, there were some nice scenes in there and overall it wasn't bad, but but nothing happened. And that is exactly what we had with this film. Saying that, 
lots of things did happen. Things unfolded. Yes. But at a complete snail's pace. And then we jump cut six years later when Ruby is in the camp, mm. um, which she manages to escape from. Yeah. Um, how, well, very simply, yeah. uh, we won't spoil it for you if you're going to go and see it, but it um, it just happens in a way that's very, I don't know, simple mm. and, and doesn't really unfold that well. It's not very dramatic, is no, it? No, no. Um, it's, it's almost like they thought, well, she's got to escape. Everyone knows she's escaped, otherwise there wouldn't really be a film here. Oh, you know, here's here's a fake beard and a moustache, just walk out the door kind of thing. It mm. was a little bit like that. But then she realises after meeting up with a couple of other characters within the film that there is a secret uh, camp almost run by the other kids and uh, their mission is basically to try and get there. Mm. Um but again, this doesn't seem. This is where the film falls down because surely this camp would be located and found by the government. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, it, we, I mean, I think the book, the novel that this is based on, is probably a lot better. Mm. We were sold this film on the basis that this was brought to us by the executive producers of Stranger Things, uh, and also um, another popular film as well. It. <sighs> It sells it to you on the basis of these things and you go in expecting a lot and get barely anything out of it, I think. Mm. Uh, it, it really was poor. No, I totally agree. I mean, watching this film, I could tell by watching the film that the book would be very, very good. Because in in many ways, having not read the book, it seems like they, they've stuck so loyally to the book. Like, we've been given every bit of detail, but they've only made this film on the first eight pages mm. because it doesn't go anywhere. So we've we've got a few messages which we'll read later, uh, or we could read now, um, about pe- people who enjoyed it and want a sequel, etc. Well, there has to be a sequel. There simply has to be a sequel because nothing has actually happened in the first one. Um, and, Craig, I'm going to bring you my Rotten Tomatoes again. You go know on, how much I love it. Go Audience score, what do you reckon? High. 77%. Critics? Low. 19. And that makes sense. Yep. And that that is so true because I think there are there are people that will enjoy this. People who have read the books mm. will enjoy this film. But as a, from a critical perspective, the plot is pr- is well, not a lot. Mm. <laughs> the, the script is pretty poor in it, mate, at times. Yeah. Uh, and some of the acting is woeful. Not not the lead characters. I don't no. think they're bad, but some of the more minor leads, people that have, you know, five, ten, twenty minute screen time, are some of them are very poor, very mm. wooden. Um and yeah, it's it's just not a very good film, in my opinion. Um no. I mean, uh the, 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 the actress who plays Ruby, um Amandel uh, Stenberg, she was very, very good. I think she was the standout mm. actress within this film. Mandy Moore, who plays Kate. Now, Mandy Moore is typically quite a good actress, I think. Um, she just didn't have much to do with the film um, but and, and didn't stand out to me at all. Um, and then we've got the other guys that she interacts. So Ruby interacts with uh, three guys, uh, two guys and a, and a young girl. They were quite good, but still not brilliant. Mm. Um, it, it just... That that were part of it was it was very very poor. Um, so let's have a look at these messages that we have got. So I, I received an email. I didn't get a name from the email, but uh, they said I recently saw the Darkest Minds and thought it was 
an enjoyable film. I think it's a film you you leave feeling incredibly great after seeing, but after thinking <laughs> about it, you notice that it wasn't actually that good. Mm. Unless you are incredibly interested in the genre or have read the books, it's all right to miss it. And I think that hits the nail on the it head. It does, really. doesn't it? Really, really does. Uh, we also got an email from Serena, uh, a regular listener to the podcast, and she says, Hi, I recently saw The Darkest Minds with my sister at our local Cineworld, and it was amazing. I love how much detail and thought was put into each uh, each and every scene, and I really hope there is going to be a sequel. So Serena is, is obviously uh, the target audience for this film. Mm. Um, you clearly went in really loving the film. You've even read the book, probably. Um, but... You want that you want there to be a sequel, and I think they have absolutely left this open for a sequel. And we compare this film, I would say, to films like I Am Number Four. Have you seen that? No, no. That was a pretty good film, actually. Uh, follows the same sort of train, I guess, in in the mm. sense that it's uh, a, a young teenager has abilities. Um, the only difference is he is an alien. Um, yeah. Um, and there are other characters that come from the same planet that he comes from who have powers and Mm. it goes on. It's supposed, there was supposed to be more films made. I think there was a sequel made, but there were supposed to be a few more. Mm. Um, it follows the hunger games in the sense that there's a, it's a novel and it's lots of films, lots of action, no powers, but you get the gist of where I'm going with that. Uh, and a few other films that are this sort of teenage post-apocalyptic sort of world, I guess is what I, uh, the train of what I'm going down. Um, but this one, for me, really doesn't work at all. No. Um, do you know what it has the feel of? It has the feel and pace of a series. So, yeah. you know, ser- you know, series one, 10 one-hour episodes. So this was about two hours. It was almost like the first two episodes. Mm. I, it, I just wasn't given anything. I came out almost like the email says, what actually was that? You know, and if it bombs at the box office, I, I, I don't know if they'll make a sequel, but... As it stands, they have to make a sequel because nothing has actually really happened. Um, I mean, look, it's maybe we've been a bit critical because um, clearly others have enjoyed it. But for me, it, it was a real mess. Mm. Um, but not the fault of, of some of the lead actors and actresses because I thought they were actually quite good. Some of the supporting actors were poor and the script and it just lacked direction and focus. But that doesn't mean you won't enjoy it. No, I completely agree. Um, so, David... The Darkest Minds, is it worth it? For me, absolutely not. Um, I was very, very disappointed with this film. Uh, However, if you like this genre, if you've read the book, um, it may well be worth checking out. Um, But if you do go and see this, don't go in with high expectations because I I really don't think this is a very good film. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that with every aspect of what you just said. Uh, So that was our review of The Darkest Minds. Welcome back. It is now time for our last review, which is Teen Titans. Go to the movies. Indeed. So what is this film about? Well, the Teen Titans are annoyed and they're annoyed because all the other major superheroes have films and they don't. So at the start of the film, we see lots of the other superheroes, you know, Batman and Superman walking around on the Hollywood set and they're very, very jealous. Uh, And most particularly... Uh, Robin is jealous. He doesn't want it to be Batman and Robin anymore. He doesn't want to be seen as a sidekick. He wants to be seen as a superhero of his own. So he goes out on a pursuit of grabbing the attention of one of Hollywood's biggest directors with the aim of getting 
um, a film made about himself and the rest of the Teen Titans. You know, he goes along with a few mad ideas and, may I add, plenty of songs. Uh, they head off to Hollywood in the pursuit of their dream. Um, however, their plans are interrupted or perhaps enhanced as they begin fighting an evil supervillain, Deadpool lookalike, uh, who is hell-bent on world domination. And there's two questions this film poses. Firstly, will they save the world? And secondly, will their film be made? Yeah, so that is Teen Titans, the synopsis. Uh, so Teen Titans is a, currently a TV show on Cartoon Network. Uh, it follows the uh, the Titans who are obviously Robin, Beast Boy, Cyborg, Raven, uh, a plethora of other characters as well. Um, and it's obviously the DC universe coming together um, in a cartoon form. Uh, and this one is all about these guys trying to make a movie. They're obviously very envious of, of, as you said, Superman and Batman uh, and whatnot. Um, I went into this film with very low expectations and came out with even lower expectations. Um, and I really didn't enjoy this film at all. Uh, <laughs> and, and I know you didn't either. You are looking really rather sad over in that corner over there. Um, the songs, first of all, very catchy, very annoying. Awful. But awful. Really quite awful. Awful. Um, it, I liked the concept of this film. So in the sense that this is DC characters um, taking the mickey out of each other because they're posing a question. In essence, do we have too many superhero films going on at the moment? Yes. Um, do DC movies suck compared to <laughs> Marvel movies? And they actually do take the mickey out of this because yeah. they... They take the mick out of Slade, who is a well-known DC character, who is the evil character within this film, and they compare him to Deadpool because, yes, he does look like Deadpool. Mm. Um, I think, actually, Slade came first within the comic universe. Mm. Uh, Deadpool came after as a as a uh, parody version of Slade. But Deadpool has done considerably better in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, they also take the mick out of... Uh, Stan Lee as well, which I find completely bizarre because Stan Lee was actually in this film. What was Stan Lee doing in this film? I don't know. He well, is Stan Marvel. Lee cameo. Yes, but he is Marvel, not DC, which is why I found it rather bemusing. Uh, Stan Lee has obviously gone through, at the moment, a number of strange incidences, uh, and it's blamed on his age, actually. Um, oh, that's sad. It is very, very sad. And um, some people have come out and actually said that how why is he in this film was he did he know what he was doing when he was doing this um but it, it was bizarre yeah because it's it, they sort of take them they're obviously taking the mick out of the multiple cameos he does yeah but then by him doing it it's sort of like well does this joke doesn't work no and it is actually him yeah it, that's the point yeah. yeah so it's like so he actually drops out jumps out and goes hi i'm stan lee and uh, you know doing my usual cameo but it's actually stan lee and you're thinking that doesn't work at all. No, it is, um, it is really rather bizarre. But, uh, you know, I mean, for the kids who grow up watching Teen Titans on Cartoon Network, they're going to love this film. Uh, critically, we all know you love your uh, your Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it's done quite well critically. But, very well. Very, very but well. I found myself sitting in the cinema really not enjoying myself, thinking that this was a it was really mind numbing. It really was. Um, and I think you feel exactly the same as well, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've looked through the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, 91% of critics like it, 
71% of the audience. So the critics like this more than the audience. And you flick through on here and you see critic after critic reviewing this as fresh and giving it a really good review. Now, I don't know if I'm missing something here. Mm. I really don't know if we were both in a bad mood or we had some dodgy lunch or something, but I thought this was absolutely awful. And I really do mean that. I thought the jokes were forced and actually they took a funny concept so that the the concept behind the joke was funny and then it was executed terribly. Mm. I found the characters really annoying. Yeah, yeah, really annoying. I found the, the music hideous. I mean... Abhorrent almost. <laughs> um, I mean, just really, <coughs> just horrible. Hmm. And honestly, it was a really hard thing to watch. Now, obviously, people will go, well, why are you roasting a, a kid's film? Well, the reason I'm, I'm roasting it is because I've seen plenty of other kid's films that I've enjoyed. Yeah. And for some reason, I really, really, really didn't like this. And look. I mean, the reviews are good from both critics and audience. So like I said, maybe me and Craig are missing something. But I just thought this was very, very bad. I didn't think it was funny. I thought the humour was forced. I thought the songs were dire. Um, yeah, just a, a really bad film in my opinion. So if I asked you the question, <laughs> I wonder what you're going to say. So Teen Titans go to the movies, David. Is it worth it? For me, no. I think it's pretty unwatchable rubbish. Um, but... I'm willing to say, uh, you know, maybe it caught me on a bad day. I don't know. But I, I did not like this film. If if you want to go and see a, a film with your kids, then obviously Incredibles 2. Um, if, you, if your kids like Teen Titans, if they watch it on the Cartoon Network, then they will love this. Um, but isn't that the point? Should it not have remained on Cartoon Network as a feature length cartoon? Well, I said to you, didn't I, when I came out, I said I, I could watch this for 20 minutes. Mm. As a 20 minute piece, this works. But as a film, it's just too much. It's too intense and bright and in your face. And, um, oh, it was, I really that, didn't... that wasn't the problem for me. For me, the problem was just the story. It was just so over the top. So, I just, it, the pace, it was just so over the, all over the place. The storyline didn't really align with what I like in a film at mm. all. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, it's all personal opinion. Um, and I just really just didn't work for me at all. No. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm sort of pleased you disliked it as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, yeah. like I said, this isn't just my opinion. This is Craig as well. So if you do trust our reviews, we really don't think this is worth it at all. Um, but others seem to. So it's a strange one, isn't it? That's really? the wonder of film reviewing. But for me, uh, a pretty horrendous film. Is it worth it? DVDs! So it's now time for our new feature on the show, which is DVDs. And last week, uh, we recorded this, and then Craig made the jingle afterwards, and it is so catchy. DVD, DVD, sorry. But um, <laughs> this is the part of the show where we're going to recommend uh, DVDs to you that have just come out. Uh, and last week, we brought you a couple, including Love, Simon, which Craig got me for my birthday. So thank you very much, Craig. Um, 
What would I like to mention this week? Well, I would firstly like to mention Isle of Dogs. That came out on DVD on the sixth DVD DVD on the sixth <laughs> of August. Um, it's a Wes Anderson film. We both saw it. Uh, we've reviewed it on this show. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, yeah, well, and- I really enjoyed that film as well. Mm. Really, really good. Also, uh, coming out soon on DVD, on the 27th of August, we have the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Um, A period piece, um, a drama, uh, a romance. Really um, enjoyed Lily James in this. Um, Thought it was a a great film and very much worth buying on DVD. And finally, I'm going to go old school here. So I've not only recommended two DVDs that have just come out, but I'd also like to recommend our viewers, our viewers, our listeners, uh, purchase another film on DVD, and it is a Denzel Washington film called The Man on Fire. The reason I recommend this film is when I watched The Equalizer 2, it really reminded me of The Man on Fire. And when I was uh, researching The Equalizer 2, it actually turns out that the soundtrack was by Harry Gregson Williams. It's a brilliant soundtrack on um, The Equalizer 2. I forgot to mention that. But he also does the soundtrack for Man on Fire and it features uh, Lisa Gerrard, who also did Gladiator. And Denzel Washington in Man on Fire delivers one of his best all-time performances. It's also got a fantastic young Dakota Fanning and Christopher Walken. If you've never seen it, get Man on Fire on DVD. Recommended by Is It Worth It? DVD, DVD. Is it worth it? DVDs. So we've now come to the end of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast week number 17. I can't believe we made it to week number 17. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And I'd like to thank you, Craig, for... I'm going to go home tonight and watch Love, Simon on DVD, DVD. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I I really hope there's some of our listeners now with that stuck in their head. Um, But great job with the theme tune there, Craig. So week 18 will be out in another week or so. Uh, There's going to be various films going to be reviewed on that. So we're going to look at Christopher Robin. There's going to be The Festival uh, and multiple other films as well. We haven't quite got the scheduling down quite yet, but uh, I'm sure we'll let you know what they're going to be over the course of the week on social media. I am really, really, really excited for this Christopher Robin film. Um, Winnie the Pooh is something that I would still happily watch now as an adult. He's such a lovable bear. Um, Fantastic uh, childhood memories. And I've seen the trailer for this film and it just looks wonderful. It does look good. I'm really hoping it's not disappointing. I'm hoping it's not like Peter Rabbit. Oh, if it's anything like Peter Rabbit, no. Gone. Yeah. Thankfully, James Corden isn't in Christopher Robin. Well, cameo. cameo. Is he? No, but imagine. Oh, 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 thank God. (laughs) Um, we'd obviously like to thank Pete also our young seven year old emailer Uh, Dylan Dylan yep Dylan Um, everyone who's got in uh, in contact with us over Twitter and Instagram and various other social media forms please continue to get in in touch with us if you're a regular listener and many of you are regular listeners because we see every week how many people are downloading the podcast please get in contact with us we'd love to know uh, where you're listening from what you like about the show if you've got any tips of how we can improve for Craig um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you I'm joking please do get in contact with us Um, we do 
have some other emails as well. Um, oh, yeah, we have a regular listener, James. He's emailed us twice this week uh, in regards to the Meg. I should have read that out when we did the review for Meg, so I'm sorry, James. We'll read that out now, though. So it says, Hi, Craig and David. I just saw the Meg, and it is surprisingly enjoyable. Mm. Uh, Jason Statham is at his best, no doubt, and still has the body of a god. Need to find out his workout slash diet routine. Uh, there are plenty of funny moments and good action moments, too. The young daughter steals the show and got loads of laughs from myself and the audience watching with me in screen three, which was quite full. Uh, I would give it three stars. Uh, is it worth it? Probably yes. Mm. Although I don't think it, I would watch it again having said that, but definitely not uh, not a waste of time going to see it. Uh, I hope you're both having a great weekend. James. Uh, cheers for that, James. And James, you also mentioned that you saw something else. It was Dog Days. Oh, yeah, you've mentioned we're yeah. going to have to see that. We're, does, we are going to have to see that. Does he roast but, it? Uh, James says, uh, decided to treat myself to the cinema for the second time this weekend. The joys of having unlimited, indeed. Um, I went into Dog Days with very low expectations and it didn't fail to disappoint. Um, very average film and I think... Giving it two stars is generous. It does have some laughs and sweet moments, but also loads of cringy and cheesy moments, which, to be honest, can be expected from these sort of rom-com films. Mm. Uh, James, we're, we're not looking forward to watching this now at all because he's listening <laughs> Yeah, cheers, mate. Um, but yeah, he he's, does definitely doesn't think it's worth it, but he's looking forward to some other films like The Festival, Equalizer 2, Christopher Robin, etc. So James, listen out for our, um, well, you've obviously listened to this show as, as you got to this point. So you've heard our reviews of The Equalizer 2, but yeah, we're looking forward to the, to the Festival and Christopher Robin as well. So, yeah. yeah. So thanks very much for your emails, James. You've sent us a few tweets as well. We, we really appreciate your contact and we love the fact you're enjoying the show. So thanks very much. Is there anything else, Craig? Um, I don't think there is, unless you've got something else you'd like to mention. I don't think so, other than competition with the poster. Oh, yes, of course. So you're all now ready to turn us off and, and finish whist- whistling. <laughs> you're whistling? I'm sorry. It's it's nearly my birthday. My head's gone. You're all ready to finish listening. Um, We have a competition, and the competition is as follows. We have posters up Hemel Hempstead Cineworld. Take a selfie in front of those posters, send them to us on Facebook, Twitter, email, however you want, uh, and the funniest ones, the ones that make us laugh the most, will receive free cinema tickets. Yep, so that's all you have to do. It's pretty easy. To contact us, you can do so via my mail is worth it at gmail.com. That email address again is my mail is worth it at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. You know where to find us. Instagram, Facebook, etc., etc. Swipe right on Tinder for David. Still no one swiping right for you. Nope. No Maybe one. you'll get something on zero tomorrow for your birthday. Birthday, hopefully. Thanks again for the present, mate. Very sorry. You said that about. Am I still wearing the hat? No, you're not. Oh. Actually, I'm a bit gutted about that. I want you to wear that throughout the entire show. But alas, alas, poor Yorick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is the end I believe of week 17 thank you very much for listening thank you for contacting us and have a very good week 